a vision. I want to make my mark on the world. Good morning, Dragons. I'm Edward Hollands, the young entrepreneur behind Driven Media, a business that takes us at an overlooked space that's been staring you in your face and your way here today. Uh, I would have brought one of our adverts along today, but I doubt it would fit it into the lift, let alone be allowed into the den. <laughs> I'm looking to give you a 10% equity stake in return for a £30,000 investment. This episode, we welcome Ed Hollands to the spike. Ed is the founder and director of Driven Media UK. You might recognise Driven Media UK from the hit BBC show, Dragon's Den. I am excited for you, and I think you will succeed. But you need intense mentoring. And it's a disappointing you live in Derby, because I would have liked you in my office every day, working with us, you know? I would have liked to be your mentor, but it's not going to be possible today. I'm not going to invest it and I'm out. The reason I wanted to get Ed on today was to speak about life as a young entrepreneur, Dragon's Den, and business after. As always, if you enjoy this episode, hit subscribe, follow, and reach out to us via the Spike Pod. As a bit of background for our listeners, Ed, can you explain briefly what it is that you do? I'm Ed Hollands. I run Driven Media, which is a truck advertising company. Effectively, we partner with hauliers who are obviously driving across the country. And rather than it saying Joe Bloggs and Son on the sides, it'll say, well, hopefully a well-known brand. Today, we're going to see the installation process right through from what you see behind me, a truck with no curtains on, uh, to a fully-fledged advert ready to hit the roads. Where did the idea of all that come from? It came from actually the A38 in Derby. I just dropped my now wife off at her job, walking home, and I thought, oh, you know, there's trucks that are white are stuck at the lights with huge cars behind them if I had a business that's exactly where I'd be advertising I was like hang on a minute isn't that a business idea in itself so literally just sat on the A38 taking down truck numbers and one or two of them said yeah go sell our space our production partners work their magic turning your design into an actual trailer curtain or rear vinyl I rewatched earlier today as well because obviously you went on Dragon's Den so you went in was it 22 you went on yeah it was filmed when I was 22 it was broadcast when I was 23 Three, just making things confusing. What was it like walking in that room at that age? So look, this is where I am. You are highly investable. To be honest, I was just trying not to look like a dick on TV. At the time, there was obviously the three core dragons and Jenny and Tage were joining. I knew quite a lot about the three dragons because obviously you can see them in previous episodes. So I knew Deborah was going to be hot on the numbers. Peter was kind of be, he talks at you, you just got to listen and you know really give him a good answer. Jenny and Tage were the unknown. Tage, obviously, there was a bit about Vitabotics on there, but there was not a lot on Jenny at all. I am going to make you an offer. I'm going to offer you all of the money. But for my investment in you, I would want 20% of your business. I'd be very happy with that. Oh, that was a quick response. <laughs> I need to teach you some of that stuff. But anyway, for now. <laughs> in one of the quickest deliberations ever seen in the den, the entrepreneur accepts Jenny Campbell's terms. Thank you all. Congratulations. And drives off into a lucrative future with a dragon on board. I was just going in there to do my best. And that's all you can ask. It is, it's scary. You're going to forget things. I've practiced to the nth degree, but I still forgot some things. Well, I kind of think that's expected, isn't it, really? Was it the numbers, wasn't it? I forget so many things. Like, I have these black moments all the time, and it could be something that I speak about daily. And I'm like, I know this, but I've just forgotten it now. And it's just like the timing of it, really. Whenever we speak about sort of like shows or anything like that, 
there's always an element of sort of negativity that comes from it. I mean, did you witness anything like that? Any negativity that came off the back of it or was it all positive? I don't think we had negativity. We had a couple of people who don't know if they watched Dragon's Den or something else, just saw our page and took an instant dislike. So we're leaving negative reviews just because they didn't like the idea. And I think one thing to do if you ever are on a TV, don't read the comments because it is a black hole. Yeah, we spoke about this with Lewis Ellis of The Apprentice and he was just saying as well, it's like Twitter was, always comes up. Twitter, 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 heart stand it as a platform. It's just negative. But I guess that is the thing. If you're then going back and watching on YouTube or you're going back and searching on Twitter, you are going to find those negative comments and then you end up going to get annoyed by reading them. So don't search for it. Don't look back at it. Yeah, at the time I was sort of, I think I had my laptop my wife's iPad and someone's phone tracking all the platforms so I could respond. As soon as the show was over, that was it. They were closing down. We got in the car and drove back home, which sounds really weird now because you can't see anyone. <laughs> what we didn't know at the time was it was the last episode of Peaky Blinders, I think it was. So people were watching Peaky Blinders, then watching Dragon's Den. So on the car home, my phone was pinging like constantly because obviously <laughs> so many people were watching it on catch up or plus one. Definitely an experience if I do that again always plan that people are watching something else is it something you would do again the response we got was far beyond what we needed and at the time it was the kickstart we needed the reason i went on is we were struggling to reach into brands and sort of let say sort of know hey you can put your advert on a truck that's exactly what it does is a conversation starter it did that job i think i definitely would do it again you know if with another business or even if you turn back time did it with this one it, it can get in the way as well you have to really be skilled at getting the right balance because if they get dragged into too much you don't actually talk about what you're trying to sell to them it's great if you can hook them in the meeting get them to go i really want this and then you've just got to eke them over the line i drive to manchester a lot because we've got an office up there and the amount of time i'm spent on the motorway and the amount of times we see the lorries they do stick in your head it is simple as that and i think if you are a company that's all over the uk and, and based all over it's such an effective way to advertise the fact that they're really big, they're in your face, and you have to look at them if you're driving. Each one of these trailers is seen by 55,000 people on a daily basis, and that's assuming it goes nowhere near a major city or on the M25. The rear dwell time is the prime space of this advert. 48 seconds dwell time is the average time someone will spend looking at the advert, usually in traffic or congestions, or even just overtaking the truck. If you want to get your advert on the road, the process of working with Driven Media is really simple. I kind of looked at what had been done before and I realised there was a big gap in terms of accountability. Effectively, what they did before was stick an advert on a trailer and if you saw it, great. If you didn't see it, you had no idea where it was. So we put trackers on all our trailers. We now do weekly tracking reports. So you can see the trailer's progress as it goes along. We try and be quite accountable. So if the truck's not performing, it'll be highlighted there in red that it's not doing the hours it should and it's on us to fix that. And so a lot of our haulers got quite in the habit of now emailing me before I even email them going, you know, trailer 416 is off the road because we've got stuff that's stuck on it for HMRC or especially recently it's been stuck awaiting clearance that we can offload it with customs and things. Yeah, and who's your ideal target audience as well for the trucks? This is a really hard one to answer. My marketing team is probably going to shoot me later, but <laughs> essentially I think we've got sort of three core audiences. If you're an automotive, like leasing, car dealerships, you should totally be on trucks because we speak to your core audience daily. Fast moving consumer goods, it's a sort of similar audience, the mass market appeal. We want that nudge on the way home, on the way to work, so you can pick it up from a convenience store or even the service stations. And then construction, weirdly, we have a great pull from that audience because they're after the white van man, can't get normally. 
but you can with us because they're on the road. The people that aren't watching TV are the people that are like trades, prime example, constantly out and about, but are stuck on motorways. So you went on the show and you set the start of the business when you were quite young. So I was 20 when I set mine up. And I think there's huge challenges that come with being a young entrepreneur. And I really wanted to know from you, what do you think your biggest challenge was being a young entrepreneur? So not only did I have to prove that truck advertising is an effective medium, I had to prove that I could do it. Hi, good morning. I'm Martin Port, CEO, founder of Big Change. And I'm at Thorpe Park, our head office. I'm really delighted to welcome Jenny Campbell from Dragon Zen, uh, who's with us with one of her investment companies that she uh, managed to secure on Dragon's Den, Ed Hollands, who's also, by the way, a Big Change customer. Look, as soon as the entrepreneur comes through the doors, the lift doors on the den, you kind of think, is this one for me or not? And I saw Ed and I saw a young, ambitious um, young man, um, definitely hungry to build a, a great business. Since I was young, you know, people, I think subconsciously, if you don't have experience, seem to just look down on you. Whereas, you know, the first few people did were just like, I'll take a chance. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, then at least I've given you a chance to prove that you can do it. And I think that's what people need to do. They just need to give people a chance sometimes. That's all it takes. You don't know how hard someone is trying to make that work. And that's exactly our struggle. Without any clients, we don't get any clients. So the first few clients we had was get as much data as we can and keep building case studies. And that's part of what we do today is every client we're, we're looking after and really trying to get them to tell us what's happening. They, if they don't tell us, we can't really use them to hook the next client on. The whole young thing as well, right? it's so silly. It's the only thing way that I can describe it because I always relate it back to football because I get told this so much. So, oh, but you're so much younger than competition. And I'm like, yeah, but who would you rather have on your like playing up front for you? Would you like Ryan Giggs or whatever on the wing or would you rather have Mbappe? And I'll just leave it as that. And everyone's always like, yeah, well, I think I know who I'd pick. And I'm like, so why are you letting sort of age come into this? Because I think when you work with someone that is a lot younger, they are, they have a point to prove. It's simple as that. Cause they've got enough people that are saying age, 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 that they're so eager to prove a point. That's not something to hold them back with working with you. And I think is that is what I found personally. Is it quite similar to what you found obviously with competitors as well. Now we, we kind of go the other way. It's, this is our campaigns. This is what we do. If you don't think we can do it, then there you go. Not interested in talking to you. I think after a while, you do get big enough to be able to do that. And, you know, we still have people come now just to compare us. And we're definitely more expensive than everyone. But, you know, all the other extra stuff you pay for is included as part of your campaign. There is nothing extra to pay, which I think is the fairer business model. If I sell you a campaign and then keep telling you these, oh, this is extra, this is extra, you're going to fast get pissed off and do something else. Whereas if, if we keep giving you stuff as part of the campaign, if you, even if you don't use it, you know, every, every single one of our clients gets a weekly track report. I know half of them probably don't even look at it. And I'm pretty sure about half of them don't look at the track report ever or the tracking portal. But the fact they've got access to it means that when they need it, it's there and they know they get it. And that's what a lot of our clients say is, I don't really need to look at it because if, it, if there was a problem, you'd have already told me about it. I think that's the big thing as well is actually walking away from clients is sometimes the best way to grow. And I think it's a craziest thing to say because a lot of people just think, well, that's just stupid because the more clients, the better. And it's not the case at all. We had clients when we first set up that didn't really appreciate us that much, wanted really low fees. But we've started saying no more recently. And because of that, we've now like brought yesterday like a FTSE 100 company on. All from because we said no to so many people. It's like an exclusive club, if anything. 
my sales trainer is going to be happy I said that because he keeps trying to say that that's what I should be saying. But it's true, isn't it? When you start saying no to people and the people start comparing you, people then actually it drives more sales, which does sound really strange to say. But then also people are so invested in you. And then that's when like really great referrals come through. So I'd imagine for you, if a company sees a company using it and they call them up and say, what's it like? What's the performance like? And they go, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Speak to Ed. That person's going to come straight to you and it's not going to be arguing about price or anything. If we're tagging something on LinkedIn, you can guarantee that they're not even going to well, talk to us to find a price out. And that's, that's as far as it goes, because we haven't had an opportunity to go. It's not just a truck. Yes, it's a truck to start with. But what about the social media? What about the tracking? You know, what about you know, getting you to visit your truck? It's about that value talk. People are so conditioned to buy the lowest price in most cases without even considering all the options that if you did, Yes, it's more work, but you'd actually pick the one that was right for you. I mean, we had this yesterday. Someone booked with a competitor and then was talking to us like three months later because the truck wasn't doing the area they wanted. And I was like, well, the, the proposal I showed you was exactly the right area. And it was just like, well, I saved a couple hundred quid. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you want to do it in the long run yeah we, we get it as well when people message on linkedin and it's like what, what's your fees and it's like don't worry about that right now just let's just let's talk about what we can actually do and what we can achieve and we'll, we'll discuss the fees at the end you don't ever just go straight away in with oh yeah no this is what i'm going to charge you okay well what's actually involved in it because from what you said straight away okay so your competitors they don't track stuff or they might not track stuff as much as you so your lorry with your advertising might be stuck somewhere for two months and you're paying thousands and thousands and thousands for absolutely nothing where someone could come to you guys and you'll break it down for them where their truck is and everything like that in this detailed approach it does happen where trucks get stuck i mean we've got i think 13 trucks currently that have been off the road for at least a week obviously we track all that and the way it works is we average over the hours over the year so if we're short on the hours hey you've just got an extra period free advertising to compensate for it and i think that's the fairest way of doing it because things happen to hauliers no one saw covid coming even though some, some of our haulers did really well out of it, but there was equally two or three haulers that went from doing probably 40, 50 hours a week to if they got 10 hours a week with a trailer, they were doing very well that week. That's how we try and be with our haulers is you keep them moving as much as you can and we'll tell you if there's any trailers that haven't moved for a significant portion of time that you need to look at. Because sometimes it is completely out of their control, like the brakes jammed and they haven't got the part. You know, you can't do anything about that. And no matter how much we ask, until the part arrives, it can't move. And I think that's one of the things that we bring that others don't is the fact we've got the live tracking, the fact that we keep talking to our hauliers. Nine times out of 10, when someone asks us, oh, our trailer hasn't moved last week, I know the reason because the hauliers already told me. Right, so you've managed to build up that relationship, obviously, with the years that you've worked with them, that it's quite transparent as well. You already tell them their problem before they want it. And then you're an advisor, not someone actually just selling to them at that point as well, which I guess is obviously the ideal situation. Have you, have you got a team around you then? Because the business isn't just you, is it? At the minute, the business is me. We got very awkward with COVID. When COVID came around, we were just about to hire someone and we used all the reserves to just survive. So we made a commitment to our haulers that we'd always pay them, even if we weren't getting paid for what was on the trailers which was great for the hauliers because they knew that even if things were tough, that they'd get paid if they moved the trailers. And we gave all of our advertisers free advertising. So that pot of money just disappeared. And every time we get to a point where we're about to do the same thing again, we get locked down. So then hopefully, fourth time lucky, we'll, we'll be in a better position. Obviously, we spoke about young entrepreneurs' sort of challenges with that. I think, is there anything else that you can think of, especially if there's any young entrepreneurs that are listening right now that might take it as a bit of advice or if they're having certain struggles at all? What sort of 
another struggle potentially that you've encountered and how you overcome it? I think the biggest struggle with entrepreneurs is probably self-doubt. If you're sitting there thinking, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't want to start, find something you want to offer and then go and find someone that wants to buy it and sort of listen to their feedback. Because if you can do what they want at the price that they want to pay or around that sort of price, there's your customer number one, you're in business. I think that's probably the biggest lesson I had is I spent six months building hauliers and then thinking, oh, this has got to be really easy to sell the space and took another six months to actually sell it. If I'd done it the other way around, got advertisers on board, found a couple of hauliers that did those routes, we'd be so much farther ahead of where we are now. And I suppose that's always with hindsight, you do things differently. And that's what I'd say is make the mistakes now because they're a lot cheaper now. They don't seem it, but they are a lot cheaper now. I guess that is, it's true as everyone's always say, whenever I've had friends that said about setting up and leave, like, I don't have my notice and I want to set the business up and then I want to go look for my first clients. It's like, well, hang on. If you can have a couple of clients before you leave, then you're going to be in a position where you can just keep it going. Because I do think when you find your first two clients, I think that's probably the trickiest thing. I think obviously it's what you mentioned earlier as well. But no, I completely sort of agree with you on that one as well. And you're going to make mistakes. I think this is what everyone forgets as well, is everyone makes mistakes. I think people even in their 50s, no one knows what they're doing to a certain degree. I, mean, I saw this the other way. No, absolutely no one knows what they're doing. Everyone makes mistakes, but it's just how you overcome them makes you who you are, if anything. Yeah. If you make the mistake now, you're not going to make it later. I can't remember who told me, but he said, would you rather make a thousand pound mistake now when it costs you a thousand pounds or a million pound mistake you know, in 10 years time? And you do the thousand pound mistake every time because it's a lesson learned now. It seems like the end of the world, but the resources you've got around you means you can be flexible around it. Obviously, the whole point of the show is we want to help our listeners recognize what their spike is. So your spike would be the unique thing to yourself. If anything, it's like a unique selling point for a personal reason. But what do you think that your spike could be? It's very hard for me to tie down one thing but I think there's one thing that underpins everything I do, and that's accountability. You know, if, if someone contacts us, I want to be back to them quickly with an answer. Even if it's a don't know, I'll find out for you. If everything we do, if you look at it, it's all about being accountable. So whether it's being able to have a look at our tracking report, look at the, the portal and say, okay, I can see how they've got that data out. You know, when someone comes to us, the fact that they can just trust us to do what we're saying and do, you know, we, we've definitely solved things that we've not been able to deliver. We've learned from that. We've been very quick to put our hands up and go, well, this is just isn't going to work because we've either picked the wrong haulier or the haulier that said we can do it isn't delivering and try and work around it. So I, I think my spike would be, you know, how accountable I try and make the business. And I think, uh, you know, especially in a young business, it's going to, ref- the business is going to reflect your personal values because it is just you, you and a small team. So definitely accountability. I think I'd have to put that forward for myself. And how important do you think accountability is in business? I think it's the level or dial for most businesses. If you can't do what you say you're going to do, you're not going to have that many customers or you're going to be ridiculously cheap. You know, that's that typical triangle, isn't it? You can have quick, cheap or good. You can pick two of them. Which two do you want? And I'd much rather be good quality and quick than cheap because, you know, you want a good quality product at the end of the day. And that's hopefully what we deliver is we try and work with the best hauliers. We try to deliver the best campaigns on the best trailers. That's if you want someone representing your brand on the road, you want that's exactly what you want. You don't want a tassie trailer and you definitely want it moving. Yeah, this is the big thing about accountability, I always think, because the first time you're not accountable, that's it. People remember it straight away. 
you're going to say you're going to do something and you don't do it. People always remember that. I might not give you a second chance that. And then when anyone asks about you, they're like, no, look, they said they were going to do this. They never did it. Don't use them. And it's simple as that. And I think one small slip up of not being accountable can ruin absolutely everything. One of my stresses in the day is, you know, if, if I'm doing a follow-up call or have I scheduled a follow-up? So if you look at our CRM, which is HubSpot, you'll see no you know, not only do I have HubSpot, but I've got a sheet behind it with all of our major leads, well, actually all of our leads. And it is, we go through it once a week to make sure that I've said the next task is tomorrow. Is there actually a task for you to do it tomorrow? Or for whatever reason, if you clicked it, because it, it's so easy to forget about things. And if it's not written down, it doesn't happen in my world. <laughs> I'm not actually surprised it's accountability with you as well, because I think I first reached out to you February about coming on. I sent you one of the little videos that we sent, which will always get people's attention. And I think you said to me, like, oh, look, drop me a message in April time or end of March. We'll try to get it in. And we're sat here now. Yeah, pretty much. So it's ex- exactly what you said. And I think that looking back, so I did remember that I had in my diary, right? Exactly the same day. Yep. You're like, perfect. Let's book it in. And I was thinking, right, well, the accountability side's there because you said to me, look, I'm keen to do it. Mess me on this day and we'll book it in for around this time. And exactly that happened. Well, I'm glad that happened. It, 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 it more accidental. It was just, I think you got in touch at the wrong time. And I was like, I really want to do this. But if I focus on this now, I'm going to forget something. And it was February. We were scrambling to try and pay everyone, as you do when you've got lockdown. And you know the clients you expected to come over the line didn't. We've been very lucky that a lot of our clients are still going ahead. It's just a case of getting there slowly. And I, th- I think a lot of people are, f- are feeling like walking through treacle, especially if you've been in you know, the, the leisure that's just opened or hospitality. There's nothing you can do a lot of the time to, to move forward. But just being there is going to do a lot more for your business and your brand than getting frustrated about it. So even if it seems like it's going nowhere, you are moving. I know, as you said, we said, obviously, accountability. Is there anything else that people around you, it might be to do work, customers, and anything at all, need to buy into other than accountability? I think it's probably linked with trust. It doesn't matter if I say I can deliver it if you don't get the vibe of it, I am. So I think they're very closely interlinked. And I suppose along the same vine is communication. You need to be able to communicate what you do and how you do it and constant communication, you know, how the trailer's performing, you know, what the next steps are. There are a lot of things that link together. There's a lot of things that I think could have been that spike, but the underlying one was accountability because it doesn't matter if, if I communicate poorly, but I should do it to a good degree, kind of gets over that communication. It makes it harder, but it doesn't mean it doesn't get done. If you could give advice to anyone right now that is listening, that is say, 22, they're about to start a business, what advice would you give them? Get stuck in. Don't wait around. If you've got an idea, test it. If it doesn't work, try again. Just because someone's done it before it hasn't worked doesn't mean you can't get it to succeed. Actually, one of my biggest drivers is when people have said it's not going to work, you know, get a job. Makes me even more determined to try and prove them wrong. And it has happened. One of the really big agencies in London, and he bought me breakfast and said, Ed, I cannot see this working, you know, not in five years, in 10 years. And then probably about two years later, he sent me a message on LinkedIn going, I'm glad you listened to me because what you've built is what I want to use. If you know that will motivate you and it's not going to demotivate you, then get someone who's going to prove them wrong. What's the best bit of advice someone has given you? If you don't do it now, when will you do it? Because there are so many times you sell yourself, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. But tomorrow never comes. If you really want to do it, what's stopping you do it now? And if there is a good answer, when is the right time to do it? Because I can guarantee you probably about 90% of those 
the right time is now. Like my marketing director, who's actually a consultant, really complicated when we get into conversations. She started her business because she'd always wanted to do something in marketing, just never knew what in. And it just took a bad experience with an employer to go, right, sod it. If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So she did. You know, that was in the middle of the pandemic and she's done really well just from doing what she does best, which is marketing. Then they're tightened up at each end, uh, riveted into place, and then we're ready to hit the road. Every day, 255,000 people will see these adverts. That's equivalent to the population of Greenwich in South East London. There's, there's a tone under everything we've spoken about and it's accountability. There is that accountability undertone in every single answer. And you can really see that that definitely is your spike. And whenever I speak about sort of behaviors that people need to buy into to work here or work around me, accountability is always in one of them. The other one is to be able to have a laugh. If you can't have a laugh, then people aren't going to want to deal with you. And manners, that for me is the top three. I'm one of those people that if I hold the door in for you and you don't say thank you, I will say thank you for you. Um, in like the most like sarcastic tone in the I'm world. Not, not that bad, but... <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I it's definitely what, have a word of myself going, yeah, right, or, no mental note, not I'll hold the door to that person. Or it's not when you, when you pull over and let someone come through and they don't say thank you, so you shout out the window, thank you. I, I'm another one for that. I, I'm bad for it. It's little things, and I think this is what everyone remembers. If you're always polite, you're accountable, and you have a laugh with people, people remember you as quite a happy person, they're going to do what they say, and they're polite. Like You can introduce them to people because you know they're not going to be an idiot when they're speaking to them and stuff like that. And it's three behaviours that are so simple. I guess with accountability is a bit harder because it actually takes effort in that sense. But those three will get you so far in life and in business, I think. Well, I think they all take a little bit of effort. You know, even just being polite is ingrained in a lot of people that, you know, if someone holds the door, you say thank you. But for some people, if you're trying to get into that habit, it takes a lot of mental effort to go, oh, I've got to say thank you. Or, you know, especially if you've not had the best start in life and you're trying to get up, it takes a lot of effort to do things right. And I think it comes back to, if you make a mistake, just hold your hands up. If I go back to driving, you know, you get in a box, you think I'm unbeatable now, I'm in my little box, but you forget that if you let someone else out, that could be the first good thing that happens today. So they can be polite and well-mannered to other people around them. And I think it takes one little thing to set someone on a good or bad path every day. I really like the fact that Ed mentioned accountability today. It's such an important thing in business. If you're not accountable, then people won't trust your service and people won't use you again. It was also fascinating to hear what Ed had to say about how when it comes to hiring as a young entrepreneur and the day-to-day -day challenges as a young entrepreneur as well. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the follow slash subscribe button or reach out to us via at the Spike Pod across all social media and let us know what your spike is.